Hello, everybody. Welcome back, hopefully, to the Association NBA podcast. My name is Sam Ruthier. I am joined, as always, by Tommy Wood. And Tommy, we've got a special episode for the folks out there. Uh, how about you tell them what we're going to do? We're going to do our all-decade awards and our all-decade NBA teams. We've got pretty much all the, you know, regular NBA awards plus a few other ones, you know, where that, that we just came up with. Man, this is like, this is probably the most fun I've had, you know, researching and thinking about a pod that I've had in a long time. Me too. I, I'd say that uh, this is right up there with the GM power rankings. Um, yes. It, it's... Uh, also, how are you? I usually have. I usually don't have to ask that, but I usually do ask you that. Are you doing well? I, I'm doing well, man. Yeah, I just uh, ate uh, the first thing I'd ever cooked with my new Instant Pot. Yeah, Very baby. Uh, how's your Christmas shopping? It's coming along. I've got my sister taken care of. Nice. Yeah, that's that's about it. Girlfriend, uh, parents. Yeah, the biggies. Gotta, yeah. My brothers and I, a couple years ago, started just chipping in and getting my parents stuff and it's just made my life so much better yeah but that's but, that's a really good yeah. idea but because i'm the only one who like lives close to them i kind of feel a weird obligation to like also get them something from me i don't know why but like it just makes sense you it, see them on christmas you know yeah you see them all the time and i want them yeah. to have more shit under the tree you know because like and especially now my niece and nephew come like we give them so much shit and now I understand what it was like for my parents when, like, they spent all this time buying me stuff. And I was like, here's a sock. That's a bad example. It's <laughs> a dumb joke. But here's, yeah. So, yeah. yeah it's hard to buy I'll good gifts when, you, when you're, you know, a teenager, like, when you're young. Yeah. You, you, know? you either have no means of transportation or no disposable income or both. Yeah. Basically. And, I mean, I still barely have both of those things. But I have enough <laughs> and adulthood that I, I should get it together. So, yeah. We got time. My dad is still impossible to buy gifts for, but this is not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about our all-decade teams. It's so fun, especially because this decade, these are like the first 10 years I ever, I kind of fell in love with basketball and got, you know, borderline obsessed with it. So it's, it's cool to kind of look back on all the things and kind of remember the places and, you know, the people. Oh, I was here when I watched that game, and oh, man, that season was crazy. So let's dive in. We're going to start yeah. at, the, at the absolute top with the most valuable player, of the decade, um, I think this one was kind of super easy, but I'll let you go first uh, so I can be like, yeah, I agree, and we'll talk about how great he is for a few minutes. Yeah, I mean, I th- for me, it was LeBron, and it was this was the absolute easiest award to yeah. give out because it couldn't have been anybody but LeBron. I mean, you know, if, if you wanted to try to convince me that it was Steph Curry or Kevin Durant, I... You know, I would at least hear that out, but uh, there's really no one else even in the conversation outside of those three guys. And to me, LeBron is just what he was able to do this decade was so far beyond uh, what anyone else did. You know, I read that he, for this decade, he led the NBA in points and minutes in the regular season and the playoffs. Led the NBA in PER. He has three MVPs, three titles, three Finals MVPs eight straight finals appearances uh i mean it's just unparalleled it's uh you know you you can't talk about lebron on a career scope legacy wise without talking about the only player arguably in front of him jordan this is basically jordan's like 88 to 98 you know yeah this is the prime of one of the greatest players if not the greatest player of all time's career um 
and it's exactly as insane as you would expect. So, yeah, of course it's LeBron. Uh, KD was the next guy for me, although uh, Steph probably has a stronger argument. For me, uh, KD comes up first because when I look back all the way to like the 2010-2011 All-NBA team, KD's already there. So he really had a full decade of dominance right up until you know the Achilles goes in the finals last year including his MVP award and just just some insane finals performances and playoff performances um but yeah it's it's LeBron um yeah and and that's that but uh if Daryl Morey was here he'd say James Harden um yeah he added he added the most value over the decade yeah it, it, it's LeBron man he had the most points How- created i don't know yeah I, I mean he did put up some ridiculous stat lines but harden maybe a distant fourth there's probably some other weird arguments you can get into about like clay thompson and shit at that point i don't know <laughs> now i would not say clay I mean, thompson yeah, i don't but, even know who i would have fourth because to me they'd be so far below yeah. those top three guys i mean those guys were really just you know they, they were cut above um yeah it's you know steph back-to-back mvps being the first unanimous mvp three rings yeah, KD, that was crazy. Two rings, two finals MVPs, one regular season MVP. What four four times scoring champ, five times scoring champ? I wouldn't. Um, I don't think five, but definitely three to four. I just feel like yeah. Harden came on strong, and he's had a vice grip on it ever since. You know. But yeah, I mean, is is there anything else we need to say about this? But I mean, it's pretty. It was pretty clearly LeBron. It was always going to be LeBron. Yep. Yeah, and we got a lot of ground to cover, so so that's that. And it, it's cool how he was so good and so dominant that it's really easy to just pick him. Um, yep. <laughs> next, if it's, if it's cool with you, um, and I can throw it over to you at some point for you to pick with the direction we go for a couple, but I want to go straight to coach. Um, okay. Because coach of the decade, I think there's a few, there's, a, I, I guess, a couple strong arguments, but I'm also guessing we landed in the same place. My coach of the decade is Greg Popovich um yeah you too yeah yeah mine too and and so for me and i'm guessing for you like there's the championships obviously but also the sustained excellence for san antonio throughout the entire decade uh they made the playoffs every single season in the decade um and did it both with that holdover legendary big three and with a completely different cast and he just found a way to to make it work no matter who was on the roster and what style they played, and they played completely different styles, at least two, if not three, completely different brands of basketball throughout the decade, um, and were excellent at all of them, and that's directly because of Greg Popovich. Um, so I think he's he's the best coach, at least of the decade. He probably will have a strong case for best coach of the century 80 years from now. Um <laughs> And has a strong argument for one of the best coaches of all time, if not the. So, so yeah, I got Pop. What? Uh, anything I missed on the Pop resume there? Um, no, you pretty much hit it all. But yeah, like his adaptability, and for me too, his ability to get teams to defend way better than you would think they should, mm-hmm. given their, uh, you know, given their roster. I'm thinking especially, you know, last year, eighteen or you know, eighteen nineteen, when that team, uh, you know should not have defended as well as it did. It should not have pushed Denver to the second round of the playoffs. You know, his teams have consistently, I think, performed above their talent, especially as he's gotten into this era where he doesn't have Parker, Ginobili, and Duncan or Kawhi Leonard anymore. Um, and for me, I did I did really consider Steve Kerr for this one. I think he's, if, 
again, I think you can make a really compelling argument with Steve Kerr, and I wouldn't have a problem with it. You know, to win three titles, to win 73 games in the regular season. And, you know, I think really the best argument for Kerr is you look at, you know, Mark Jackson had basically the same team the year before. And look what look what happened. And then Steve Kerr takes it over and they win 67 games and win the championship and then win 73 games the next year. Um, but yeah, other, other than that, I think... I think you got to give a shout out to Doc Rivers too. Uh, he would he would probably be third for me if we were going that far. Didn't win a championship this decade, um, but I think his work with the with the Clippers um, and the Celtics was was pretty excellent. You know, especially I think twenty yeah twenty twelve thirteen when his Celtics pushed the Heat to seven in the Eastern Conference Finals when they just had no business doing that. Um, that was really impressive. With Doc, it was kind of hard to. Uh, you know, consider how Doc the GM held back Doc the coach for half the decade because it's you know that's it, they're kind of inextricable. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, for me those are the those were the top three. Is there anyone else that you thought about? Um, Spo. Just because yeah. the Heat, you know, went to four straight, one back to back right at the beginning of the decade, but it's not a full decade of strong work. I mean, I don't. I don't think he necessarily got like way worse as a coach. He had worse rosters to deal with, but he didn't quite maintain the consistency um, in effort or just quality that like you know Pop Spurs teams did, even after all his stars were gone. So, uh, yeah, that yeah, it, Spo definitely is like a a tier below. I'd put him in the same tier as like Doc and maybe even Mike Boonholzer, who also coached a bunch of really good teams throughout the decade, but. Definitely that top tier is, is Pop and Kerr. I think there's no question. Yeah, cool. Uh, what do you want to do next? How about uh, how about executive? Yeah, yeah, that sounds yeah. great. Um, do, do, I, uh, Who you got? I'll give you a hint. He's light years ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I, went for, I went with Bob Myers. He's, um, he's light years behind this year. Yeah, he, he, <laughs> Light years away from a playoff spot. Um, I went with Bob Myers because I just thought the way the Warriors were constructed was really cool and kind of unique in this day and age. Um, and and I thought that he really, really crafted that team um, for a really almost uh, unprecedented run of success. They were the first team to go to five straight in a long time. And I doubt we see another team go to five straight for a long time. And that was on the back of three guys that he drafted and chose to keep when there were certainly could have swapped Clay for Kevin Love at one point. I think there were a few landmines throughout that he kind of dodged to keep that team together. Um, before things even started, that summer they signed Iguodala. I remember a lot of rumors they might sign Dwight. That certainly wouldn't have gone yeah, well. I remember that too. Um chose to keep those guys, chose to let go of Harrison Barnes and bring Durant on. Um, you know, we'll never know what that team would look like with Barnes, but certainly yeah, we know I mean, what it looked like with Durant. Yeah, I mean, that's true. I That's one of those things, kind of like LeBron going to L.A., where I don't know how much credit to give Bob Myers. He just decided yeah, to go like, there, and they were yeah, like, I guess like, we can do this. Durant, yeah, yeah. You, Durant decides to go there, and you make it happen however you have to. But also kept, uh, the, kept the bottom of the roster good enough. Guys, like, they got a lot of JaVale. Um bringing on Boogie last year. I mean, didn't get them a championship, but he still played some good basketball for them in the playoffs before he got hurt again. Um, so, yeah, Bob Myers, how about, how about you? 
Yeah, I mean that's that's definitely compelling. Um, for me, it came down to two guys who are not Bob Myers. It came uh, uh, came down to Daryl Morey and Masai Ujiri. Boom. Uh, okay. I I ended up going with with Masai. Nice. Uh, I, and I, yeah, could have guessed that. I will. Yeah, I will say. You know, I I had him number one in my GM power rankings before he traded for Kawhi Leonard and hired Nick Nurse and won a championship. So this isn't recency bias. Oh. Um, I just think his uh, his body of work, you know, literally from the start of the decade to uh, to the I mean, I, actually, he wasn't even a, a GM at the start of the decade yet. But uh, when he did take over, uh, I think 2010-11 in Denver, the first thing he did was orchestrate the Carmelo Anthony trade. Um, which really set the template for superstar trades for the net for for the you know for the rest of the decade, um, and he was able to keep the team competitive, uh, you know, get them as high as the number three seed in the West with the fruits of that trade, and he bookended that with you know maybe the ballsiest trade of all time, trading for another superstar that and and winning a championship. But in in between there, for me, what what really the reason I think Messiah is the best is his ability to build a sustainable winner using young talent uh, while while maintaining a competitive product with with you know star players. Um, you know the ability to to draft and develop guys or, or find undrafted guys like guys like Fred VanVleet and Norman Powell and you know Terrence Davis who's contributing this year. Um, you know guys like Pascal Siakam late in the first round. Um, Jakob Pertl, you know, who was a productive player before he was in, in the, uh, Kawhi trade. Um, it's so, so hard to be a competitive playoff team and still, you know, find like uh, rotation capable talent when you're not picking, you know, when you're not picking high in the draft. Uh, so that was really what sold it for me because if you look at a lot of the other most, you know, most successful GMs, in the league, you see a lot of guys who are mortgaging the future to compete now. It's what David Griffin did in Cleveland. It's what Daryl Morey has been doing ever since he traded for James Harden. Uh, it's what Bob Myers did in Golden State. Um, really, the only other guy who has managed to, to kind of do something like that to me is, is uh, Danny Ainge. And uh, he hasn't done it as well as Masai Ujiri. It's true. He doesn't have a ring to show for it no, in this current not. iteration. Um, no, Masai's an excellent pick. Um, both for the the crazy haul he got for Mello and everything that's happened since then. Um, I mean, yeah, that even just the last year with the Raptors is a strong argument from Kawhi and Danny Green to uh, bring the bringing on Gasol mid season. I mean, yeah, they don't Gasol win that championship trade. without Marcus Gasol. Um, they don't. Um, in you know, a couple years, Ibaka trade. I was going to say the Ibaka trade too. Uh, 16, 7, 2017. Um, yeah, it was it, it all worked out really well. And, and and the decision to fire Dwayne Casey and hire Nick Nurse took a lot of guts too. Totally. Um I mean he you know, he's he made a lot of hard decisions, you know, holding on to Kyle Lowry, you know, when he initially like wanted to trade Kyle Lowry in his first season there. Um, you know, holding on to DeMar DeRozan until you could get, you know, maybe the best player in the league at that time, uh, for him. You know, until you can get a Finals MVP and a championship for him. I mean, that mm-hmm. that that was that all took um, a pretty uncommon level of patience. And I don't know, man. Masai's just 
he's just awesome. Yeah. He uh firing Dwayne Casey immediately after he's named coach of the year. Yeah. <laughs> immediately. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's quite the move. Um but it it really worked out. Um so yeah, yeah. I I hear you. That, I uh, That's actually really funny because the uh the last coach of Messiah Jerry's to win coach of the year, George Carl. George Carl. Also got fired, also got fired. immediately after winning yeah. it. If you ever coach from Messiah Jerry, don't win coach of don't the year. Win, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Nick Nurse is texting the media members like, don't vote for me. Don't, don't vote. Yeah. Nick Nurse. <laughs> vote for Bud. Vote for Bud. Yeah, back to back for Bud. Well, yeah, that, I, I hear that. I uh, he's, he's he's a crafty guy for sure. I like how you were thinking about Daryl Morey. I, uh, with all these, you know, basically the last three uh, categories we discussed, I needed somebody to have won a championship. Um, but I think Daryl's influence is huge um yeah he looms large over the tail of this decade of of the nba that yeah that was it for me too um you know the way he's able to like just operate by the seat like by the seat of his pants it seems like he's just winging it you know with these like making these massive superstar trades um but i mean obviously there's a plan there and uh it's yeah it's it just hasn't been as successful as some of those other guys, you know, no ring, no finals appearances. Um, but yeah, the fact that he is maybe the biggest trendsetter of any personality in the league right now, um, in terms of like the way the game is played and the way it's evolved. Like I had to consider him, but you know, in the end there are just too many flaws, too many things that haven't gone right in Houston to put him over the top. Absolutely. Um, okay. So now we're going to move on a couple more conventional ones and then all kinds of, of less conventional, but most of them make sense. We're going to do them. Um, sixth man of the decade. Uh, just like the award itself, it's quite ambiguous how you can choose to award this. You can yeah. go with like somebody who's won the most or you could, you know, or you could do something else with it. Um, obviously there's either there's Jamal Crawford and Lou Williams who both won the award a bunch of times in the decade. But I don't know. Uh, I personally picked uh, a person I'll say after I let you go first. So I picked Monty Ginobili. Oh! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay! I, <laughs> um, Your favorite player yeah, of all time. <laughs> yeah, 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 basically. I mean, that's it's not just that. It's He had a really great decade, and he, you know, he aged really gracefully, and even though his counting stats in the regular season that at times weren't great his play he always elevated his game in the playoffs um to me it was you know the fact that he uh you know unlike lou williams and jamal crawford here lou williams was the other guy seriously considered um as i i also thought about andre iguodala a lot but Mm -hmm. uh i you know i i ended up going with manu because he just had such a heavier offensive burden on that on those san antonio teams uh, you know, the two finals appearances, the, the one ring. Um, and again, it was just the fact that he consistently raised his game in the playoffs, even at, you know, an advanced age. Um, like he was just in, you know, their game five win over the Spurs uh, to clinch the 2014 finals. He was just dominant. Um, you know, he even as late as 2016, you know, he was blocking James Harden game tying shot on the you know at the that was buzzer. a legendary play yeah yeah uh so 
from yeah, that that was kind of what sealed it for me. But who who did you end up going with? I actually I picked Iguodala. That's you funny. It, okay, yeah, yeah that that's a, that's it. a good one. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, I actually at first had even written down like Jamal Crawford. I was like, hey, it's easy, whatever. And then I thought about it, and I was like, you know what? Iguodala like really did the most with sixth man in terms of like contributing to all around team success. He was so crucial to Golden State's versatility on both ends. Even as his game diminished, and uh, like Steve Kerr and I guess Iguodala had to sign off on it, they kind of like blazed a trail on how to like utilize an aging bench guy who's still at the top of his talents because like they just kind of kept the cover on the Porsche till the playoffs. Um, yeah, for several seasons. Um, yeah, and just the way that he transitioned. You know, I'm looking at his stats right now. In the beginning of the decade, he started every game he played in four straight seasons. He started every game he played in his entire career up until 2014-15, and then he starts 21 games the rest of the way. Uh, yeah. So he just completely shifted from a permanent starter, I have to start, to I will come off the bench and do whatever you need me to, and uh, contributed to three NBA championships and five straight you know, finals, which I mentioned earlier, so... Uh, yeah, that was that's that's that was hard to me. argue with. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you definitely got to give him credit for the way he defended LeBron in the finals every year, um, and yeah, his his passing, his facilitating, his unselfishness. Um, you know, so yeah, for me, it was just during, especially those last couple regular seasons, he just kind of mailed it in. To oh, he totally that did. Manu didn't. Yeah, at like this at and at and Monty was older, you know. So that's yep. that's kind of why I. Uh, yeah, you know, he was still he was still balling out. I mean, you know, he was hitting buzzer beaters in his last season. Um, that, yeah, that 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 was kind of it for me in terms of those guys. So, who's your okay? Who's your defensive player of the decade? Yeah, this one was this one was really interesting to me. Yeah, I uh, I was thought and too. thought I was like, do I go with someone who's won the award a bunch? Do I like go with like a shot blocker like? I, I landed on Kawhi because I feel like he was okay. the most dominant on-ball defender of the decade. Did it for long enough. His ability to guard a team's best player directly led to championships multiple times. Um, to just continue that theme of like thinking about playoff success. So, yeah, I went with Kawhi. Um, but I thought about Draymond. Um, and, and I kind of th- considered, like, is this maybe a Dwight thing? Which it's not. It's not a Dwight thing at all. I, I did. I thought about that too. Not going to lie. Okay. That makes me feel Sunny, better. off. Uh-oh. Sounds like somebody finished up for Peanut Butter Kong. Um, <laughs> but but I'm curious uh, where you went. I went with Draymond. Okay. Uh, right. And yeah, it was hard. It, it was neck and neck between him and Kawhi. You know, Kawhi has two defensive player of the years. Draymond only has the one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know... For, for me, with Draymond, it came down to the fact that he, you know, really unlocked, like, his defensive prowess is what unlocked the championship-level defense, you know, that carried the Warriors to five straight finals and three rings. Um, and he was just, you know, he could do everything. I mean, he could protect the rim. Uh, you know, he could come in as a help defender. He could switch on to anybody. Um, he... You know, was basically the reason we this switching revolution in the NBA started. Um, it, it all 
you know, it all happened because he was dominant enough at six foot seven to play center and hold his own. Um, and just the way, the way he defended in their championship, you know, in their championship runs was just unbelievable. Totally. He was an absolute gamer. Um, I'm not going to argue you there. Yeah. And I mean, even last year, like when he got back, when he got in shape and turned it up in the playoffs, I mean, they became, they became a different team. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's just what I was thinking. Like last year it was just different because he was fat Draymond for the first like half of the season. But when he got it together, like (laughs) he totally like was back to, you know, he, the dude's still in his prime. So yeah, he's, uh, that definitely, uh, was kind of mind blowing when he started just playing center and it wasn't just like a, a low minute gimmick thing. It was just straight up like, no, this guy's going to play center yeah. and it's going to work like, no, really and, well. Yeah. And he's maybe when he does this, he's maybe the best in the league. Yeah. You know, in the, at least in this context. Yeah. God, like, what a, what a unique figure. Um, yeah. All right. I propose that before we get to the fun shit, we actually do all NBA because let's do it. It's going to take a little while to like talk through it. And I don't want to, I don't want to shortchange it by putting it at the end. So, I'm going to guess that we are, if not five for five on first team, at least four for five. Um, So I'm going to tell you mine. My first team, all NBA for the decade, is Steph Curry, James Harden, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, and Anthony Davis. Okay. We are four four for five. I I was thinking maybe you did something different at center. So let me hear what what you went with. I do not have Anthony Davis. So I actually had Davis as a forward on mine. Um, Yeah, I cheated. Yeah. For me, like it was, yeah, it's hard. He doesn't want to play center. He's not playing center right now. He's it's been about like, you know, sixty forty during yeah. his career. So, uh, so my first team center was Chris Bosh. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, if you, for me, it's just like if you're not if you're gonna call Anthony Davis power forward, then I'm gonna call Chris Bosh power forward. But but I mean, yeah, but he won two championships as a center. You're right. And you know when you look at the dominance of you're right, he did he did play a lot of a lot of power forward, but then he switched to center full time. Yeah, he did once. You know, and that's when the Heat truly uh, became the the dominant team in the league. Um, you know, in eleven twelve, and then in twelve thirteen. His ability to shoot threes and his ability to guard on the perimeter was, you know, obviously having LeBron and Wade there would would have made them a contender. But Bosch's unique talents are what enabled them to play that dominant style that, you know, carried them to, you know, back-to-back titles to a 27-game win streak. Um, so, yeah, for me, it's 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 the rings. It's, it's the fact that you know, if you if you look today, it's like what do we ask? Like, what, what do we talk about when we talk about centers? We talk about uh, can they shoot, and we talk about can you play? The, can can they stay on the floor defensively in the playoffs? Because now centers are expected. It like it's a, no, a normal part of your defense is going to involve your center at least spending some time guarding on the perimeter. You know, whether that's a switch, whether it, it, that's just so much more common now than it used to be, and. Um, you know, even before the Warriors started switching, the you know the Heat were really the first team that used their center high up on the floor. They would have Chris Bosh, um, you know, run up and, and trap ball handlers thirty feet from the hoop, which was just something that had never been done before. Um, there's that, and 
his playoff performances too were, were also what sealed it for me. You know, guys like uh, Anthony Davis has been good in the playoffs, but he's never made it out of the second round. Um, you know, there are a lot of other other guys that I considered some of the more modern, you know, some of the current star centers, Jokic, Embiid, Gobert, Towns. You know, those guys haven't really gotten it done in the playoffs either. Um, you know, but Chris Bosh in literally the biggest moment, the biggest possible moment in the, in the closing seconds of an elimination game in the NBA Finals, got, got the rebound. an offensive rebound, made the kickout pass for the tying three. Um, not only that, in overtime of that game, with 30 seconds left and the heat up, the heat up by one, switched on to Tony Parker, blocked step back jumper. With two seconds left and the heat up by three, switched on to Danny Green, blocked his three at the buzzer. I, like, I don't remember either of those in the last yeah, minute of the game. Yeah, two blocks on after switching on to perimeter players in the last 30 seconds of the game to you know seal Game Six and help them get to the Game Seven where they won the championship. Um, so yeah, for me like. And, and, and this, to me, is also kind of reflective of it being kind of a weak decade for centers. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I, like I said, none of the star centers today have gotten it done at, the, at a high level in the playoffs. You know, Jokic, Embiid, Towns, Gobert have never been out of the second round. Um, LaMarcus Aldridge, Al Horford have been to conference finals, but they have never really raised their game in the playoffs. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, after going through all of that, when I really started thinking about Chris Bosh, I just, I just became more and more convinced. Yeah, I love it. I, uh, he, he didn't make one of my teams, but he was definitely like high honorable mention again, just because I was the power forward lineup is deep. But um, that's a very compelling argument, and I, I think when you look at the way centers have been playing the last half of this decade, it's only because the way he played the first half of the decade. You, you, yeah. you kind of said the same thing. Uh, I don't think Embiid's trying to shoot threes or, or Brooke Lopez changes his game to shoot threes if, if Bosch didn't do it first. So that's, that's yeah, absolutely he was, true. He was the first center to, to shoot them with volume. The original stretch life. five. If you, yeah, yeah you, you've talked about like what's your ideal center right now. It's a guy who can shoot threes at an elite level and guard them on guard all five positions at an elite level. And I mean, that's, that's Chris Bosch. Yeah. He, he really could still be playing today if it, if it wasn't for yeah. his, his health issues. He would be. It's, it's a shame. Yeah. All right. So so there's right. it. I, there's no way our second and third teams are as similar as our first team. But like, <laughs> but I will just say that it's still possible that we maintain a four out of five ish, five out of five because we've we've not overlapped much at all in different. I think yeah. I think our guards and forwards on second team might be pretty similar. Yeah. We'll yeah. S- yeah. All right. We'll see. Yeah. You want right. to go? You go this time, yeah. Okay. So my second team is Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and Mark Gasol. Yeah, we, we went four for five. Um, you are going to laugh at the one that I, I put in. Um, okay. I kind of laughed at myself as I was doing it, <laughs> but I, I stood by it. I also had CP, Russ, Kawhi, and Gasol. Um I was gonna see if you wanted to guess who I put in instead of Paul George, but uh, uh, you Blake know, I'll, I'll give you one guess. No, we'll no, talk about okay. him later. It's Carmelo Anthony. Okay. <laughs> Just because he was the fucking man. Um, he was. I mean, he scored some of the most, like the highest point totals of the decade. But the playoff yeah. thing, you know, he both yeah, both he won one playoff series. <laughs> I know, and he he made the playoffs like 
three, four times, like it's twice. Yeah, not much. Um, <laughs> but I just you can't overlook how good he, he did, was. Yeah, he, I mean he won a scoring title. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Okay. I can. Hmm. Shrug. Uh, I totally hear Paul George. Um, not that Paul Paul George has had a little more playoff success than Melo. He's been more times in Melo. He's won more series in Melo, but not a heck of a lot. Um, but I think he's a better all-around player than Melo. You're not wrong. Um, yeah. I think I, when you but, look at, like, you know, hit the beginning of his career is right when Melo hits his peak. Of course, George is much better than Melo now. Um, but I'll, I don't know. I, I just, Carmelo was very, very good for, for a decent chunk of this decade, you know? But, 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 uh, talk yeah. about George because he deserves it. He, he's been great this decade too. He, yeah, he has. And I mean, for me, it was the fact that he kind of, evolved from like you know i don't know if i'd call him like an elite level role player or like kind of a a beta star into an alpha Mm -hmm. um and but even when he wasn't you know like a top a true top 10 player in the league even even when he wasn't the superstar that he is now uh, he consistently raised his game in the playoffs. I mean, from the moment he he came into the league i mean the, the way he played against miami in uh 20 in 2012 is was absurd and they took him to seven yeah took him to seven like all all because paul george balled out in that series um and he's he's consistently done that he's consistently been an elite defender and you know he's he's continued to get better um you know he's been adding uh he's become he's become a much better shooter he's become a better ball handler uh yeah I, i i think but but again like this is kind of my tiebreaker for a lot of this stuff and it, it felt weird to be using this but when you're talking about a decade you know playoff success really has to be kind of the the deciding metric and even though he hasn't made a finals um even though he hasn't won a title uh i don't think that's ever been because of paul george i think paul george has done pretty much every time he's he's gone into the playoffs he's done everything he can and he's raised his game um i mean even in the year they got swept by my by by cleveland in the first round Paul George had a great series, and the rest of his team sucked. Uh, so I, 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 I have a lot of respect for that dude, and and the way he came back. You know, the fact that he missed an entire season after a catastrophic injury. Oh yeah, and came back even better. Uh, yeah, that's 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 my case for Paul George. Yeah. What about uh, so we we both had Gasol. Yeah, uh, that's cool. Yeah, what? Yeah, talk about him. What what was it about him that did it for you? Um. For me, he just was clearly, like you mentioned, it was a weird decade for centers, but he was kind of the essential center of, of the decade. Um, at the center of, of one of the I- iconic teams of the decade, the Grit and Grind Grizzlies, um, he started tailing off the last couple of years, but for pretty much the entire decade, he was a very steady presence, and the the first third or so kind of like ro- upped his game, upped his game until he was like up there in MVP voting and of course defensive player of the year. Yeah. Um, and really just was the complete package um, that you could ask for of a center. Um, yeah. And c- continues say, to be. He's a focal point. You know, he's a focal. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'd say uh, probably the only center who played this entire decade and gave like elite level performances on both ends of the court mm-hmm. for the entire decade. So that, that was big for me. Um, totally. Yeah, the the playoff performance last year was also big. I mean, to do that, you know, to come into a title contender, to accept a reduced offensive role, 
um, but still play play that great defense. And I think, you know, pe- people talk about his defensive contributions. Uh, you know, when they say Mark Gasol, you know, they wouldn't win that title without Mark Gasol. But I think they needed him on offense too. Yeah. You know, without, I mean, Kyle Lowry, Lowry was really their only playmaker on that team. I mean, he he, they needed. Well, besides Kawhi. Yeah, but Kawhi Kawhi wouldn't make plays for other. You know, he he wouldn't get the offense was, going. Yeah. Um. Yeah. You know that that wasn't really an offense. You're right. Uh, he was most he was a he was, was a scorer. Doing. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So the ability to just throw the ball to Gasol at the elbow and everybody run around and he'll make the best decision was so beneficial to them uh, in the playoffs. Totally. He's the he's the proto Jokic in a lot of ways, and also yeah. um. You know, those Memphis teams, it, it didn't really show with, like, some very late runs. But uh, they Still ran into some finals. really good teams. Yeah, they made they, a conference and finals. And they played the Warriors really harder than any other Western Conference team did until, you know, other than, like, maybe OKC, OKC and Houston. I mean, that that uh, series in 2015 in the second round was brutal. That was the biggest challenge that Golden State had that entire playoffs. Yeah, I mean, they, they broke Golden State until, you know, they decided to start guarding Tony Allen with their centers. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Fucking Tony Allen. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, Marcus All, for sure. Big Spain. Um, I guess that brings us to third team, and I think shit's about to get weird. Um, yeah. I'll, so, uh, third team guard was the hardest for me. Yeah. Out of I, all yeah. the positions. I don't think we're going to have anything similar. Nah. Go ahead. Go ahead and give me yours. Let's get it started. All right. Uh, so, yeah. So, my third team is. Uh, Clay Thompson, Dwayne Wade, Dirk Nowitzki, Anthony Davis, and Tim Duncan. Duncan. Um, we had one in common. <laughs> I I went with uh, also went with Dwayne Wade, and then the other oh, guards. Oh, really? Really? Yeah. Okay, that's cool. That makes me happy, man. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm glad we're giving Flash some love. That's I. Cool. Uh, this actually was one I stole from the the, the NBA's All Decade teams because I was kind of like, you know what, he he played pretty well for most of the decade, but I, there's other guys. And then I saw that they did it, and I was like, all right, I would like yeah. to talk about Dwayne Wade. Um, and I, and yeah, for me with Wade, like with how he did tail off really badly, but yeah, but that that almost like I'd really forgotten how dominant he was in oh, 09, 10 and in yeah. ten eleven, and then even though he you know he kind of started falling off after that point, he was still a top 10, top 15 player, uh, you know, on back-to-back champions and on four straight finals teams. And, uh, you know, played his role perfectly. Yeah. He, he, Raised his game in the playoffs. I mean, he yeah. was, he had some monster games in, you know, in both of their finals wins. Um, and in, you know, and in the 2014, or yeah, the 2014 finals loss too, he, he had some, some really good games. So yeah, yeah. I, uh, that's cool. I'm surprised we agreed on Wade because yeah. he was. It was. I kind of came around to him at the very end. There are a lot of guys I thought about for this for those spots, and at the end, he just kind of made the most sense. But uh, okay, give me yours. It. My other one is uh is Damian Lillard. Okay. Um. Even though I yeah. know he can't play defense, but um, he's been very good for about half the decade. Um, has been incredibly clutch made some absolutely legendary shots um has kind of ushered in this new era of basketball in portland even though you know who knows what's going to happen this season um 
I just think he's been consistently excellent and, and underrated. And I've, I've talked about this in other podcasts this, this year, but how I think that's how Portland is going to be a playoff team. Um, I still think that they're only a couple games under 500. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that for, for me that, that put Dame over guys like, uh, I mean, clay, I totally thought about. Um, and I, I could see why you put him there and, and it's not hard to make the argument. Kyrie, I thought about. He's just I, I, yeah. I just got petty on that one. No, yeah, Kyrie. I thought about Kyrie a lot. I mean, because you want to talk about getting it done at the highest levels. I mean, he yeah. hit a Finals-winning shot in Game Seven, but then he also shit the bed in the eighteen nineteen playoffs uh, in the second uh, round. Dude, he Milwaukee. lost his mind. It was um, weird. And yeah, it's just you know he was never quite as dominant in the regular season as Dame Lillard was, and the fact that. You know, for two two straight teams of his seem to have gotten worse because, like, his personality has you know is a part of them now. That like I don't like holding personal stuff against guys, but that actually like that affects teams on the court. The fact that he's so fucking weird and people don't like him. So yeah, <laughs> like I I couldn't I couldn't put him on there. It was it hurt me to leave Dame off too because he's uh. You know he's one of my favorite players in the league, but uh, at the end, what what did what did it for me with kind of Clay and 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 Wade over Dame was that for as great a playoff moments as uh, Lillard has had, he's had some you know he's has had some series where he's just disappeared, like the the New Orleans series, and really against Denver and Golden State last year he was just nowhere to be seen. Yeah. Um, so that's that kind of inconsistency in the playoffs. I mean, in the reg, in the regular season, he's consistently been amazing. Uh, but yeah, that 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 kind of la- mixed playoff record um, held held him back compared to someone like Clay, who has consistently been one of the best guard defenders in the league. Um, you know, the second best shooter of all time. You know, the guy who's just he's been maybe the most nuclear heat check guy in NBA history. Oh, he is, yeah. Um, the, yeah, the fact that he's able to score at such a high volume and at such a high efficiency while still touching the ball as little as he does. Um, yeah, that, I mean, and the three rings, you know, don't hurt. Um, yeah, is there anyone else? I mean, I kind of briefly considered John Wall, uh, Kyle Lowry, but Wall never really got it done. Lowry, uh, you know, too much... You know, too many bad playoff series, even though he did redeem himself with a ring and just not quite dominant enough in the regular season. Um, I did, I I told you before the show, I considered Kobe. I mean, <laughs> yeah. 0-9-10, he was awesome. Yeah. He won, won the championship, won the finals MVP. Sure. And really, he was good. Like, he was playing at, like, a top 15 level right up until he blew out his Achilles. And after that, he just fell off a cliff, missed the better parts of two seasons due to injury. And when he was on the court, he was hurting his team. And the fact that he was on the team and he was making the max and he was such a distraction, uh, you know, really just wasted half a decade of Lakers basketball. Oh, yeah. Several several years, the Lakers were in no position to be serious because it was all just the Kobe show. Um, yeah. And he seemed to relish that, although... Younger Kobe would never have stood for that shit if there was yeah, someone yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If 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 
18-year-old Kobe had been on that team, he would have killed old Kobe. If Kobe loopered, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I didn't yeah. think of about Kobe. I, I, you know, I, I gave the cursory glance at John Wall, <laughs> Kyle Lowry, um, I guess DeMar to a lesser degree. And then even, like, some small part of me was like, what's the case for Isaiah Thomas? But there really isn't one. He just had that one excellent yeah. season and a couple good ones. Um, All right, so who are, you, who are your forwards and center? Let's, let's yeah, of round out your team. Um, Paul George. I went I went jumbo with the front court here. Paul George, uh, Blake Griffin. Um, okay. And then at center, I, I went with DeAndre Jordan. Um, okay. He... You know, he it's it's he's a joke now, but like for several years there he was an absolute menace for the Clippers. Yeah. He was leading the league in rebounds and blocks and field goal percentage and I mean the free throw thing was a joke, but I mean he really was kind of the best center in the game for a few years there. Um certainly no there was no one like him. He was the last kind of throwback guy to succeed. Um and they were a legitimate big three in L.A. with with C.P. Blake and him, and they, they figured out how to play play together. So um, I went with him, but I totally thought about Duncan. I totally actually thought about Al Horford um, and Chris Bosh for that spot. Those three guys all for DeAndre. I was just kind of looking at the whole decade, I guess. But as you can yeah. tell, I'm not super, like, pumped about it. I'm not, like, yeah. I'm just like, I, yeah, I went with DeAndre. Yeah, I'm gonna be honest. I didn't really think about DeAndre. That's cool, dude. No, I, <laughs> uh, it, it, yeah, yeah. The other guy I seriously considered was Dwight Howard. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just because of what he did, you know, with the Magic, uh, his 10-11 season was MVP caliber. You know, really, LeBron should have won the MVP that year, not Derrick Rose. But if someone other than LeBron is going to win, Dwight Howard was the MVP that year. Uh, you know, I think even in Houston. You know, he kind of tailed off a little bit in the regular season, but he really people forget how good he how how well he yeah. played for Houston in the playoffs. I mean, he he raised his game and he helped them win, you know, multiple multiple games. Um, you know, series. Uh, he's the the reason, big part of the reason they made the conference finals in fifteen. Um, but at the end, you know, he did actively hurt his teams. You know, pretty much right after starting in in twenty sixteen in 1516 and uh it really hasn't it, you know there's kind of like this this four year gap where it's it's it, it's been until now that he's finally become a positive player again so yeah i i, I went with duncan um obviously obviously two finals you know the one the one championship um offensively you know wasn't wasn't in his prime anymore but i think defensively he was absolutely in his prime up until the moment he left the league um even then, he still had offensive flashes. You know, he scored 31 points in Game 7 of the 2013 Finals. Um, you know, even though they lost that game. Yeah. Um, and the fact that in his last year in the league, as old as he was, he could be the starting center on a 67-win team and a top-three defense. Yeah, uh, it's wild. Yeah, that, that, yeah it's, it's insane. He couldn't even um, bend one of his knees. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Yeah, so that's that. That's why I went with Tim Duncan, um, and then at forward, I, I had to put Nowitzki in there, even though yeah, yeah you know, Again, up. the the latter half wasn't great, but uh, 
you know, for the first for the first few years, and then for the first couple of years after the the championship, he was still an elite level player, and that championship run in 2011, I think, you know, I don't, we don't have an award for like best individual playoff performance, but if we did, I would give it to Dirk Nowitzki in 2011. That's the best in like for four rounds. That's the best I've ever seen anybody play. Yeah. In the playoffs. That was it. it was truly. Uh, nothing like it. Just, just the way he carried them, um, and came through clutch yeah. again and again. And yeah, yeah, especially like his his stat lines against OKC in the West Finals are are ridiculous. You know, forty eight points, uh, and on twenty four of twenty four free throw shooting in one game. God, like just you know, just absurd, absurd stuff like that. I mean, he was so clutch all throughout the play. I mean, he he's always been clutch, always been clutch in the playoffs, but he did it game after game, round after round in 2011. Um, I mean, that that gives him a lot of equity for me alone. I mean, that championship, that finals MVP, like, yeah, that's 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 pretty strong. And then I had to have Anthony Davis in there too. I can't, you can't do an all-decade team and not have Anthony Davis on it. I mean, he's just, he's he's been so good. He hasn't had the playoff success, but I mean, he's been a top five player basically from the moment he walked into the league. He really has. It, it, we've kind of gotten used to it now, but you look back on that rookie season, and he was immediately just extremely good. Yeah, um, and and has been ever since. So, all right. Yeah. So, on to- what about you? Though you didn't uh, you didn't talk about Blake Griffin? Uh, yeah. Because I di- I didn't have him on there, but I, I want to know because I think yeah I I ser- I had seriously considered him um, before I ended up going with Dirk, but I want to know why you picked him. Yeah, I mean, for me, that spot. Um, was just kind of sitting there for Blake and I I definitely thought a little bit about Dirk but just thinking about like the whole decade as a body of work um I think Blake's been been excellent throughout it basically it's it encompasses literally his entire career um and and I think he's been an all-star basically the entire time um he went from the explosive you know Blake dunking everything um in LA to the more refined game more ball handling skills i remember thinking he looked so goofy the first couple seasons he tried to be a lead ball handler and now it doesn't look that crazy because he actually yeah. like developed it as a skill but it used yeah. to look nuts him like dribbling like it's like dude pass it to chris paul already um he stepped out you know he's now shooting six threes a game um seven last year uh and he does it all at an all-star level he's 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 been exceptional the entire time the results never really came through for him um, in the playoffs, and, yeah. and there's, there's a couple a lot of seasons wasn't in his there. Fault, though I mean, you know, he he was injured for a couple of playoff runs, and yeah, like it's just it sucks because he he just has has had so many fluky injuries, you know, from the the broken hand from punching a dude in the face to the yep. staff infection uh, to the broken kneecap, uh, you know, before his rookie season. Um, yeah, it sucks. And that that knee shit's really starting to add up, you know. Yeah. Um, just looking at last year's playoffs, a prime example, he could he could barely like seemed like he could barely walk. Um, yeah. But when he was healthy, um, he was one of the best in the league. There was I can't remember what year it was. I think it was fourteen fifteen. He was like a top three or four MVP candidate. Um, yeah. And they, yeah. For I think it was fourteen fifteen. No, were, no, it was it was fourteen. It was the year. It was the thirteen fourteen one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And when he was healthy and cp was healthy i mean they were legitimate title contenders for about three or four years there so yeah yeah that that was just it for me i mean i i think he's just got a really strong body of work yeah 
yeah, no, that's uh, I can't argue with that. I I almost put him in there. Um, all right, we'll wrap it up. We got a few fun ones. We'll just we'll just kind of blow through. Um, kind of best and worst in like kind of various various areas. So, uh, to start, we got the best team, the best team of the decade. Um, I I pick this as the best like single season a team had. Um, is that what you did too? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. Cool. We're on the same page. I picked the 2017 Warriors, the first okay. KD team. Yeah. Um, Hard to argue with that. Because I don't 67 think. Seven wins. Yeah. I don't think there's a team. 16 and one in the playoffs. That can beat them, in like the history of the NBA. <laughs> Nonetheless, just this <laughs> decade. Um, so I just picked them just because of that. Uh, yeah. Who did you pick? So I picked a team that I think could maybe beat them. Is it the 2013 Spurs? No, I picked the 2013 Heat. The Uh, Heat? Oh, shit. 66 wins, uh, 27-game winning streak. Just the absolute best season of LeBron's career. Oh, I was a freshman Uh, in college. Yeah, winning that that championship over the Spurs. Um, Man. Yeah, just the level of, like, dominance. like, Like, not just dominating games but like dominating their opponents athletically and physically uh, in a way that the warriors didn't um you know they would run it down your throats you know bosh was skinny but he was so physical lebron and wade were just so strong and so fast i mean uh you know Battier was such a pain in the ass i mean like that team yeah that's I don't know, man. Yeah, that that twenty. I'm I'm like I'm that twenty seven game win streak. Like I still can't can't wrap my head around it. That was nuts. And, and LeBron was shooting like sixty percent that year too. Yeah, 60, he or shot close. over forty percent from three. Yeah. God. Um, yeah, that was that was by far his best year, and that was when he was at his peak on defense as well. Um, I mean, there was just no respite. I mean, and the way they played defense was so aggressive, and they could only play it because they were so big and so athletic. Um, but it just absolutely demoralized teams. For sure. That's a really good one. Um, yeah, I guess they just had some more hard fought. That's the year that Indiana took them to seven and then it's the Spurs same. No, that's, that that's... year. No, that was the year before. And then, oh. oh, no, 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 you're right. Sorry. This is the year they, that, yeah, this was the year Indiana took them to okay. seven. Okay. Okay. Cause I mean, yeah, you know. the year before was Boston yep. taking them to seven. Oh, dude, I remember watching that in the bathroom of my prom. The game when Rondo dislocated his elbow and stayed in the game. I watched that with the cop at my prom in the bathroom. (laughs) Sorry, babe. Got more important Uh, things to do. There's all kinds of weird stories I can tell you about the situation heading into prom, but (laughs) that that was an amazing series. Oh, my oh, God, yeah. Fuck, the LeBron yeah. game. That's literally yeah, the, game, the, that's the game, game six. six. Yeah. Oh, God. Game six. That might actually, I might actually have to change to game six for the best game of the decade. I completely forgot about game six. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oof. I think I've told this on the podcast before, but I had a friend whose dad, for his birthday, got him tickets to go see the Heat in Boston, and it was the end of the season, and they all sat out. So he got him tickets for a playoff game instead, and it was game six. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and they just watched LeBron eviscerate. <laughs> Rip their hearts out. You know, Pierce also had a great game, too. It just wasn't enough. Yeah. All right. Best okay, team. Who, yeah, who's your worst team? The 2012 Charlotte Bobcats. 
Okay, yeah, that's. Uh, I almost went with them. They were like seven the, and fifty or something. Yeah, that's. I mean, yeah, they the worst winning percentage in NBA history. Yeah. That's Kemba's really rookie hard to year. argue with. Yeah. Did you I go with the Sixers with, team? Sorry. No, I went the ten eleven Cavs. Oh, the year the, the year after LeBron, LeBron left. left. Yeah. They set That's the record for the longest losing streak, which was you know, subsequently tied by the uh, <laughs> by the Sixers, but not surpassed. The, the, the 2010-11 Cavs will not <laughs> be not surpassed. surpassed. <laughs> as How long was it? Eighteen, right? In NBA history, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, they were. It, it, it's not just how bad they were on the court; it's just like the whole, like the whole, the whole thing permeating yeah. that team. Like a lot of comic sans. Yeah, the comic sans, just the petulant anger of the Cleveland fans, <laughs> yeah. just like the the complete lack of a plan uh. or like, I mean, Anton Jameson was on that team. I mean, like, yes, I, he was. Yeah, uh, it was just the definition of futility. But hey, they got Kyrie Irving, so next year. So it was fucking it worth, worth it, out. man. Yeah, yeah. They would. They don't yeah. win a championship. If they don't have that season. That's yeah. a very bad team. Of course, honorable mention has to go to the the Sixers process teams. Yeah. Um, but there's there were always a couple gems on those teams. You know, yeah. there was like Robert Covington, Robert Covington. and T.J. McConnell. Yeah. And... They're both still in the league, and they at least had a plan. I mean, like being bad was the plan, and I guess now we have the hindsight of being able to know that the plan worked. Yeah. But uh, and yeah, maybe maybe if if they. Th- if they still sucked, we, you know, we'd be talking about it differently. But uh, to me, it wasn't as egregious as like a team like the Cavs or the Bobcats. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you there. All right, who is the the? We're going to the NBA draft for a minute. Who is the the best or the biggest draft steal of the decade? Who you got? You know, so I really, really, really wanted to go with Nikola Jokic. I'm sure you did. Uh but it's Draymond Green. Oh, I said Giannis. Okay, yeah, that's hard. Damn, yeah, that's hard to argue with too. That he, I, yeah. I understand Good, how nice. you're thinking second like round, that. though. Yeah, Draymond yeah. makes a lot of sense. He's a linchpin of a of the best yeah. team of the decade. But uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, the DPOY, the three rings, yeah, the yeah elite two way play on a five time, you know, on five straight finals teams, mm-hmm. and at the thirty first pick, uh, just just absurd. The entire league passed on him. Yeah, yeah, I uh I totally get that. I just I was thinking what is sixteenth yeah, no, end right. of the lottery yeah, or right, out of the though. lottery? Yeah. It's like I, I, yeah. Giannis is a steal the same way Michael Jordan is a steal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um So yeah. so yeah, everybody knows who Giannis is and what he's what his body where he's a fucking MVP. Um All right, uh, but how about oh okay, so you had Jokic in there as well as like an honorable mention. I had Isaiah Thomas as an honorable mention. Yeah. He goes yeah, in that ten eleven draft as the literal the last, last pick, pick in the draft, yeah. um, but it's weird because like you know the Kings like he becomes a rotation player for the Kings, but he doesn't really like reach the peak of his value till two teams later. Yeah, um, but still he, he you know he was yeah. top five MVP one year and he was exactly. two time yeah. All Star. Exactly. Um, yeah. He. Yeah, I mean to, to yeah. get that at the last pick in the draft, it's insane. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. And really, like, trying to make sure I wasn't missing anybody big going through, there's, like, some some drafts where, like, there's a decent amount of rotation guys coming out of the second round. It's wild Yeah. how often yeah. teams hit. I mean, it's also not because it's, like, yeah, there's there's 
30 picks a, a year. lot of yeah, good yeah yeah the second round there's gonna be hits but and only I mean, 30 just, people it, have been taken yeah yeah but at the same time guys like josh richardson you know someone who rodney like, hood briefly, yeah briefly flirt rodney hood was a first round he was like 18th i think oh i'm thinking about somebody else but, sorry uh, um spencer dinwiddie <laughs> yeah dinwiddie Van Vliet um, was undrafted. Van Vliet was undrafted. He was another guy I seriously considered. But when it, for Steele, I thought, like, you know, he actually had to be drafted. Um, I mean, he's yeah. probably the best undrafted free agent of the decade. At, like, just off of what he did in the playoffs last year. Oh, yeah. Um, I think that's, that's you can say that easily. Um, okay. Um, now, we're, we, we, we <laughs> went for some moments. Um, yeah. So, we've got... Uh, the the best game of the decade. I would I would love for you to start. I'm sure that you had a couple in mind. Um, was this hard for you, or was there one that really stuck out? Uh, it was hard, just because there were there were a few that I. I was thinking considered. of Alan Crab. <laughs> Not Rodney Hood, Alan Crab. Um, Alan Crab. Yeah, no, yeah. he is a second round steal. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Go no, I'm so yeah, sorry. Right. Um, That's such a this is such a selfish thing for me to interrupt interrupt you with. Hey, I know so, you're talking about like classic <laughs> moments, but Alan Crabb. Uh, okay, go ahead. Uh, yeah, best best game of the decade. Um, yeah, there were a few that I thought of the fifteen uh, sixteen West Finals game six. You know the Clay Thompson game. Um, yeah. One also the sixteen uh, game seven of the twenty sixteen finals. Uh, that that one was probably my runner up, but I mm-hmm. went with I went with game six of the two thousand thirteen finals. Boom. As the best game, the Ray Allen game or the Ray Chris Allen Bosch game. game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's it, you know it's not just that. I mean that was a, a that game was back and forth the whole way. Yeah. Um. You know LeBron had an absolute monster game. Um. You know that was that was the LeBron headband game too. That was that was the game where he lost his headband and then went absolutely crazy. Oh my uh, god! That, I forgot about that. Yeah, that game just had everything. I mean, it had. You know, the weight of it being an elimination game that came down to, you know, the final seconds, um, you know, had the weight of the all the po- bullshit postseason narratives that people had constructed about LeBron that none of that had gone away, you know, even though he'd won a championship the year before. Um, and, you know, people were preparing their LeBron's a choker takes um, and until, you know. They, they couldn't because yep. they because they won game six and then they won game seven. Yeah. So, yeah. It's like, true. Like, in terms of, like, entertainment value, the narrative, the quality of basketball that they played, you know, that was, that was the one thing that kind of held back game seven of the 16 finals for me is that it was really entertaining and it had all the narratives to, you know, the, the Cavs going for revenge, the 3-1 comeback, but – Game seven was a real slog fest, and it, it was not pretty. It was really slow, uh, not really good offense played by either team. Um, so that that was what ended up making the difference for me. Dude, totally hear that. I mean, when when you have a game with high quality basketball and um, an, an extraordinary moment with a guy who's been training all of his life to do the exact thing that's needed for his yeah. team to survive. Um, it's just crazy. You can't write it better than that. So I'm, I'm, I'm up for that. That's cool. That, that yeah. was an awesome series. Um, it's funny. You mentioned a couple that are like on my list. Um, the clay game, uh, was like basically my runner up. Cause I thought that game was incredible. Um, 
against OKC to keep them alive. Uh, whatever year that was, 2016. Yeah, game six. Um, yeah. And then actually I had another one from that season that's that's up at the top. It's the game against OKC regular season. The regular season game. Oh, my Steph God. When Steph hit that almost half-court shot over Robertson. To, yeah, at to the, beat him. the buzzer beater. And that was after Golden State made the crazy comeback in yes. regulation. Tied just, in the final seconds. Andre Iguodala hit two free throws in the final seconds to tie that game. I remember and that, that alone is is memorable. Yep. And afterward, uh, for some reason, I remember Bob Myers saying, "Like, I asked Andre if he was nervous, and he told me no. He just knew he was going to make them." And it's just so <laughs> interesting because, like, I don't know. It's a weird thing. I remember Bob Myers saying it's also weird because Iggy was only like a maybe 80 percent free throw shooter. Like he yeah, wasn't he's an amazing not, he's free not throw really shooter. Really that good? Yeah. Um, he's... But he drilled him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so so for a while, I was like, that's my game. Because um, I also remember sitting in a hotel room in Utah, watching it on my laptop on a ski trip, and everybody else was asleep. And I was just like, holy shit, what, Steph just, yeah. what the fuck? And that was kind of <laughs> like, you kind of realize like who Steph was in that moment and who the Warriors were. And that kind of like, they were just like the talk already of, of the yeah. NBA. But that was just like, you know, to be in the center yeah. of the zeitgeist. I, I remember that, that was, you know, I was living with, my roommate at the time uh, was not a sports fan. Uh, he, he was a sports fan, but he was a he was a football fan. He didn't give a shit about the NBA. I remember going to your apartment, watch the Broncos beat the Pats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember Gronk that too. made that crazy catch. Yeah, but couldn't get the two point conversion. No, he was wide yeah. open on that two point conversion too. Yeah, yeah. I re- I remember you ve- you like vociferously defending Gronk and saying that he was not a partier, that he is that defending his work ethic. Did I say that? Well, yes. he he had, a, he had and has a very strong work ethic, but he also likes to party. <laughs> but yeah, uh, my roommate at the time didn't care about basketball. He walked in the door and was talking about that that game, that Thunder Warriors yeah. game in the regular season. So like for for him to be talking about that, you know that it is like I don't know. My regular season basketball games just like rarely cross into like general you know pop culture mm-hmm. that one did so yeah, yeah another that's, one that's, that, a, that's a great one there was the game this one actually happened on my birthday in the middle of the heat 27 game win streak they played the celtics that's Celt- yeah oh, and that's man. the game lebron dunked jason terry's soul out of his body <laughs> yeah that's what that's maybe my favorite dunk of all time that dunk is incredible. That's kind of that was the last hurrah of the KG Pierce Celtics. Um, yeah. So ultimately, I went with. The, I, yeah, the, and I remember the Celtics had been talking a lot of shit before the game. Yeah, they, too, oh yeah. How the how oh, the streak was going to die in the garden? Yeah. It did not. It did not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I picked 2016 yeah. Game Seven though. Um, yeah. Even though the last two minutes are pretty ugly. Um, Neither team can really make a shot. Steph has that dumbass behind the back pass. But there's also the block. And the then block. Kyrie makes Kyrie's his shot. shot. Yeah. And I just remember, like, just washing over me. Watch it. I remember for that game, I purchased, like, a Dale's Pale Ale and a Lagunitas IPA. And I was like, I'm going to drink this craft beer and watch this fucking basketball game. And life is good. And it was. And it was. It was an amazing basketball game. It was. Sitting on my parents' couch alone. And it ugh, it just delivered, and it was a crazy series. It was insane. They even made it to that game seven, and they fucking won. LeBron did it, you know. Um, yeah. Oh, so that just 
that game to me just had everything. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. It's yeah, it's the it's the window dressing as much as it's what's in the window. It's everything that led up to as much as what happened in the game. But the game, the drama at the end was just enough. So I picked that one. Um, yeah, that's why that's why I had the fifteen sixteen finals as as my best series, and that's mm-hmm. that's that's part of why. I mean, it was just okay. That series in general. Um, I mean, you had the winningest regular season team of all time going up against LeBron James after having beaten him in the finals the year before. You had you had all of that. You had the three one comeback. You had Draymond punching LeBron in the nuts. Yeah. You know, just like the level of emotion in that series. Uh, you know, Steph throwing his mouthpiece into the crowd and getting ejected. Oh yeah. Uh, that happened in that series. Yeah. Yeah. What the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> yeah. It just yeah, so much happened. I mean, you had Kevin Love getting a concussion and the Cavaliers were starting Richard Jefferson and Ty Lue was just making shit up on the fly and it and it worked. It worked. You had the the game where LeBron and Kyrie both scored 40 points. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Dueling game five. banjos. Yeah, then LeBron also had 40 in game 6 and then the triple double in game 7. Um so it's all that um and for me also it's one of the weird I can remember what I was doing for every game of that finals. Like, Holy shit. Like game one, I was cooking dinner for our mutual friend, Jordan Siemens, after she had an appendectomy. Uh, I met my wow. current girlfriend before game five. Whoa. Like, I, yeah, I, uh, that was our first date was like, we, I kissed her goodbye. And then I went and watched game five with my buddies. That's a good and, night. And yeah, it was, it was a great night. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Yeah, game seven. Me and me and my friend, we just kind of like you did. We we got a six pack, uh, and we just holed up in his apartment and just just soaked it in. Just did and the dang thing. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that was that series was pretty. You know, I, the twenty thirteen finals. You know, game six and game seven of that game of that series were were just all time classics. But games one through five really sucked. Uh, they were they're all blowouts. So that mm-hmm. that wasn't one that I really. Uh, I really seriously considered, um, and yeah, I mean the, the, the 2016 West finals, obviously that one was great. The 20, the 2018 West finals. I also thought about just a, that absolute slugfest between the Rockets, the Rockets and the Warriors. Um, but yeah, for me, it was the 15, 16 final or the, just, I, I guess not 15, 16, just 2016 finals. And mm-hmm. it, it, it wasn't really close. Yeah, it's one of the greatest series of all time. I mean, you, you kind of swayed me a bit. It was definitely on my short list that the Western Conference Finals before it. Um, I actually went kind of hipster on this one, though. Okay. I picked the year before the Clippers-Spurs series. Ooh, yeah. Because the Spurs God were defending damn. champions. That was good. And it went to seven. It was seven yeah. really good games, and it they came down to— all so close. Chris Paul made like a bank shot to win it. Yeah, with less than a second to go. And that was after he injured his hamstring and he was yep. playing on one leg. He was leg. playing through it, yeah. He hit it um, over Tim Duncan. Exactly. Um, and that game seven was just back and forth for 48 minutes. That, that was a fantastic game, too. So I just remember soaking in that whole God. series, and it was like the first round. And it was like, yeah. why are these? Why is this happening? Why are these why, teams oh, yeah. playing why right now? Why is this the conference finals? Yeah. yeah. It was, it, it, you knew it was going to be unfair to whichever team lost because they yeah. both could, could easily have gone on to win the championship. Neither did. That was, the, the Warriors ended up being inevitable. But, um, 
yeah, I, I picked that one because that, to me, just was like that season, you know, was so yeah. good. There were so many good teams. Yeah. That entire Western Conference playoff, essentially one through eight, were all just like incredible teams. Yeah, Houston was fantastic that year. Yeah. You know, uh, Memphis. Memphis, like, that's that we were talking about earlier, that, that yeah. Memphis series that Golden State almost almost lost. Okay, C was really good. So, um, yep. Went with Clippers Spurs 2015. But, uh, yeah. I mean, 2016 yeah. finals. Yeah. Age yeah, that's a, that's a, I'm glad you picked that one, though. I'm glad we I'm glad we took the time to talk about it. It's good to remember it. Was it was epic. Yeah. All right. That was a super long podcast. Yeah. Any, who's, um, wait, who's, your biggest, awesome. uh, who's your biggest draft bust? We skipped that oh, one. Oh, fuck. We skipped that one. Wow. Yeah. We skipped that one. Um, <laughs> my biggest draft bust, it has to be Anthony Day. Anthony Bennett. Excuse me. Not Anthony, Anthony Bennett. has to be Anthony Bennett, in my opinion. But I also gave honorable mention to Jan Vesely because I forgot about Ooh. him. But he was terrible. <laughs> God. And he was like a fifth I, pick in a loaded draft. Yeah. I completely forgot about Jan Vesely, but he was so bad. See, I, I, I couldn't go with Bennett because he should never have been the number one pick in the first place. Like, he yeah, was just never Cleveland's that good. Fault. And, it, yeah, it was Cleveland's fault that he was a bust. Like, if he was taken with the eighth pick, like, people wouldn't wouldn't talk about it. I mean, yeah, it would be a disappointment, but, you know, not 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 epic bust level. So he got um, I <laughs> I got Andrew Wiggins, man, and that's just oh, because... Oh, Tommy, like, come on! Look, okay, go ahead, go he's ahead. He's not terrible. You know, he's still in the league, you know, unlike Jan Vesely, but... Andrew, Andrew, the expectations for Andrew Wiggins weren't still be a, you know... His expectations weren't to finally maybe become an average player in his sixth season. Mm-hmm. They called him fucking Maple Jordan. Man, yep. he was the number one overall pick. He was traded for uh, Kevin Love. You know, like he he was supposed to be the guy, and he has been the opposite of the guy. And I mean, even though he's been putting up numbers and he's and you know he's been durable, uh, he's been a net negative, and he's regressed as his career has gone on. And you know the fact that we're only just now talking about him maybe finally beginning to turn it around. It's that's yeah. For me, like Wiggins is a guy who had had expect those expectations for long before he entered the NBA and he has had the potential to do it and he just hasn't. Um, but a guy, a guy like Anthony Bennett, I just kind of feel bad for, except for the, the guaranteed rookie contract that he got. Yeah. Except for the part where he's a millionaire. <laughs> um, hopefully he, he invested wisely um, <laughs> yeah because he's not getting a second one no because that's <laughs> no. it last i knew he was playing for the main red claws i don't even think he hung on there um i mean main red claws are pretty loaded right now i don't know if you know <laughs> <laughs> anyway um all right i hear you it's fun to go back in the drafts but it's also sad to yeah just be like oh there's a yeah there's a lot of negativity there some i almost really... went with mkg except he was pretty good for a few years he was yeah it was he earned a second contract yeah. yeah yeah it was just his shoulder just kept never really got right yeah unfortunately um yeah god jan vesely i i wish i'd considered him because he whew, that's a good one thomas I'm robinson not... was another one i thought about yeah robinson just absolutely i mean he never even cracked the rotation and the after guys taken after him 
it was Lillard, Harrison Barnes, Terrence Ross, Andre Drummond, Austin Rivers, Myers Leonard, Jeremy Lamb. Like, you would take any of those guys over yeah. Thomas Robinson. I mean, Hashim the Beat has got to be up there, He's too. He's so bad, yeah. Con- yeah, considering the guys taken after him, you know, were James Harden, DeMar DeRozan. Uh, yeah, it's pretty... Oh, Derek Williams was the other one. Derek, ooh, yeah. Right um, after Kyrie, right? Yep. Yeah. But, uh... Yeah. 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 <laughs> let's, not, let's not go down the Timberwolves draft history. No, no, no. Um, uh, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, also Hashim Thabit was the 2009 draft, so he's not part of this decade. In yeah. spirit. Um, but they shouldn't have picked him. No, that was dumb. That draft is loaded, dude. That Kyrie yeah. draft? 11, yeah. Oh, I'm talking about the one at, yeah. It's got fucking... The Morris Brothers, Kawhi, Clay, Kemba, yeah, Kyrie, Tristan Thompson, Tobias Harris, Miritich. Yeah. That's yeah, really wow. good. Yeah. Um, Bojan Bogdanovic. Oh, my God. Yeah. He got deep. drafted that long ago? Um, all right. Let's wrap this thing up. This is a long podcast. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to our all-decade podcast, whatever we're going to call it in the title. Um, and we'll be back soon and we'll talk about more basketball and we'll start a new decade and that'll be nice too. Tommy, any, any last thoughts for the folks out there? No, man. I just hope that basketball continues to get better in the 2020s as it did in the 2010s because, I mean, just look at where basketball was, you know, 10 years ago compared to where it is today. And it's just... I think it's a lot more fun. I think I think it's a better product. I think the league is more talented. I think it's better run. I think teams are more smartly run. I think the NBA has put itself in an absolute fantastic position, and I just hope it capitalizes. Me too. I I would agree with with virtually all of that. I and I hope it continues getting better. But uh, for now, thank you, whoever made it all the way to the one hour and eighteen minute mark. We appreciate you. Thank we'll you. be back soon enough. Yes. Thank you. Um, For Tommy Wood, I'm Sam Ruthier signing off. Goodbye. Oh, dude, that was so much fun.